Al Jazeera podcast. What kind of jail cell befits a celebrity leader? He is known as a playboy, a heartthrob, and basically Pakistan's unquestionably greatest ever cricketer. For Imran Khan, Pakistan's most popular politician and a former prime minister, it's been a fight for the last several weeks. Pakistan's former prime minister Imran Khan remains in prison despite having a corruption conviction suspended. It's been a year of political downfall for Khan, who's now facing more than 100 cases on everything from corruption to terrorism to rioting. Pakistan's present most popular politician has been tangled in dozens of legal cases that he claims are all politically motivated and are essentially just fabricated against him. He's been in and out of jail, this latest stint since the beginning of August. Initially, Khan's wife and Khan's party, the PTI, said the prison conditions were deplorable. An open washroom with no shower and insects and flies in the cell. Like every jail, it's uh, not a five-star restaurant. But now, an attorney general report says Khan is getting good food and reading materials. Reportedly, his cell in the Atak jail is not just VIP, but VVIP. He's given quote-unquote Class A facilities that includes a bed, a mattress, a room cooler. Um, he's been given books. He's been given food of his liking. The question now is how much longer he'll be there. On Tuesday, a Pakistani high court ordered him release. On Wednesday, he's due in a different court, a special court, in a case with national security implications. So do these shifts signal a change in Khan's political fortunes? Or how much longer he'll be in a cell? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Abid Hussein, Al Jazeera digital correspondent in Islamabad, Pakistan, welcome back to The Take. We are speaking to you on Tuesday. And it hasn't been that long since we last had you on, but there has been some breaking news this week. What does your day look like? Well, the day has been quite busy. I mean, it was expected that uh, a verdict was supposed to come out. The Islamabad High Court had reserved its verdict in this uh, trial court, which had sentenced former Prime Minister Imran Khan on corruption case after deliberation of roughly two weeks breaking news where the High Court has suspended a former Prime Minister Imran Khan's recent conviction on corruption charges. And the court gave the verdict, suspending a three-year imprisonment of uh, Imran Khan. Mm, so you were prepared, which always helps with a story like this. There's a lot of twists and turns. So I hope you'll help walk us through it. On Tuesday... A Pakistani high court suspended the conviction and the three-year prison sentence of former Prime Minister Imran Khan, as you mentioned, and ordered his release on bail. What led to the suspension in the first place? Well, this is the interesting part. The procedural matters in the case by the trial court, the lower court which gave the original conviction against Imran Khan, it was full of loopholes. There is absolutely no doubt about it. It did not allow the defendant party, which is Imran Khan, enough choice to be able to defend himself. 
so there were lots of loopholes in the trial court which originally awarded the conviction to Imran Khan. Remind us, why was he handed a three-year sentence on August 5th? What is he accused of doing? This is the case which deals with Pakistan state gift depository systems. Tosha Khan's case relates to gifts that Imran Khan had received from foreign nations, which he allegedly had bought at cheaper rates and had sold at pretty hefty prices when he was the Prime Minister of Pakistan. So basically, whenever a premier or any state official travels elsewhere abroad from the country, they are usually diplomatic norms as such that you get gifts, these state gifts basically. So Imran Khan, during a multiple time when he was a prime minister, he traveled between 2018 and 2022. He traveled to Middle East and so on, and he was given various gifts. And the accusation against him is that he sold those gifts so A, that was a moral problem, you know, that those gifts were essentially not given to him, it was given to him on a state part. So that was a moral area, not legal area. But what he was charged with, that the money that he made, the original trial court verdict says that the benefit that he accrued from the sale of those estate gifts, he never made disclosure in his asset form, mm. which you are supposed to uh, submit every year or annually. And Imran Khan failed to do that. This is what his uh, charges are against him. Mm. And once he do that, he essentially was guilty of lying and of being corrupt practices. Mm. And uh, the verdict said that he was being dishonest. So that is what he was charged for. Which brings us back to how the case got suspended on Tuesday. So Islamabad High Court, what it said was Imran Khan's conviction has been suspended. Mm. He has not been acquitted. So this is a key point to understand. Suspension of the conviction doesn't necessarily mean that Khan will be free uh, to walk out of jail or that he'll be allowed to contest the national election due later this year. When Imran was originally convicted in August 5th, he was also disqualified, was made ineligible to participate in Pakistan's election. Pakistan is supposed to have election later this year. And Pakistan's law says when somebody is disqualified or convicted, he is disqualified from participating for at least three to five years. And Imran was a disqualified. So after today, the question was whether Imran can continue participating in elections or not. The answer to that, according to multiple legal experts that I've spoken to, they have said he is still ineligible to participate in elections. Hmm. So suspended, not acquitted. He's not out of the woods yet. So with all of the frenzy over the suspension on that particular case, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that Imran Khan is leaving prison just yet or perhaps any time soon, it seems. Why is that? How would you explain that? So why is that uh, a lot more complicated? But yeah, it <laughs> seems, it appears that Imran Khan is going to have a tough time going forward. We have to remember that Imran was uh, detained briefly for rough less than 48 hours back in May. But what did happen was Supreme Court of Pakistan at that time, they are generally seen by many observers to be leaning excessively towards Imran Khan to be supporting him. But anyway, Supreme Court at that time had given Imran Khan something extremely unusual, a blanket bail for two weeks that Imran Khan cannot be arrested in any case for next two weeks, no matter what case it is, mm. right? So now, something that we have seen with a few other PTI leaders as well, 
Um, this is a back and forth happening. So what the state is doing in the crackdown against BTI, that even if the courts say that you release someone, state or police authorities or officials, they slap another case against a person and keep them in the jail once again, you know, over and over again, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So once Imran Khan was given his bail by the Islamabad High Court, soon afterward, a special court in Islamabad, a separate one, it issued an order saying that Imran Khan must be kept in detention and must be presented in the court on August 30th in connection with the cipher case. Pakistan's federal investigation agency is leaving no stone unturned in probing the cipher case against former Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan, who is now in jail. It's a diplomatic document and it has been, you know, a very important part in Imran Khan's journey for the last year and a half. And for that purpose, Imran Khan had to be kept back in jail and we will see on Wednesday how that unfolds. So we have another busy day coming up. And um, if he does come to the court, we will be able to see him for the first time in almost three and a half weeks. So keeping all of that in mind, so much of what we've been talking about, Abed, has been the news of Tuesday. But the breaking news of Wednesday is the reason Imran Khan was not released from jail. Because almost immediately after his suspension, a different court, a special court, directed jail authorities not to release him, saying that he's wanted for his involvement in yet another case. He's accused of leaking a confidential diplomatic cable, also known as a cipher, in violation of the Official Secrets Act. So break this down for us. What does Khan say he did, and what does the court charge him with? So cipher is this almost a mythological uh, object. It has become (laughs) in Pakistan's political lexicon for the last year and a half. It is meant to be a document which is exchanged between the diplomatic circles. But Imran Khan used this as a tool to create a narrative in his favor once he was ousted back in April 2022. And it has caused a lot of divisiveness within the society. We have had um, American publications entering earlier this month, Intercept, which they claim that they have released the contents of that purported cipher. The report says that the U.S. was secretly pressuring the Pakistan government to remove Khan from his position over his neutrality on the Russia-Ukraine war. While quoting a leaked document from an anonymous source, the report says the U.S. State Department threatened to isolate Pakistan if Khan remained in power. So this case is being framed against Imran on accusation that he has misplaced officials' document, which he was in possession of. And Imran has last year confessed that he had something which he doesn't anymore. He is being made to appear in the court to discuss about it, to what exactly is going on, why did he have the cipher, and where is that particular copy of that diplomatic cable anymore. And Imran Khan is going to appear in that special court. Previously, um, state authorities have interrogated him in the jail regarding the same. Why Imran Khan and his supporters say these charges are politically motivated. That's after the break. On the Inside Story podcast this week, we're discussing the consequences of shipping restrictions in the Panama Canal due to low levels of water. We'll be asking what it means for global supply chains and prices in the shops. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. (music) 
So, Abid, Imran Khan has now been arrested twice, once in May, then again in early August, and he continues to face more than 100 other criminal cases. He needs to fight off over 150 more cases brought against him since his removal as prime minister last year. All part, his supporters claim, in trying to prevent him from being able to win power in Pakistan again. These are prosecutions that Khan and his supporters say are politically motivated. Can you explain why that might be the case? The argument by the PTI or Khan supporter that most of these are political cases, it is um, pretty much accurate. Um, One example is that uh, one of the cases uh, of sedition, of incitement against the state authorities was filed against him in country southwestern province of Balochistan back in March this year. On Monday... And the Balochistan High Court, the biggest uh, judicial authority in that province, dismissed that case, saying that these are frivolous charges. So basically keeping that as an example, it can be convincingly said that majority, a vast majority of cases against Imran Khan are frivolous in nature. They are being done to pressurize him, to basically keep him on the run and put him under pressure because after his ouster from the government last year, he is the, basically the man Pakistan's powerful military establishment is going after. We need to understand that in the last 10 years, between 2011 onwards till 2022, Imran Khan remained uh, the blue-eyed boy of country's powerful military establishment. He was the one propped up as the savior of the nation, the democratic hope for, for the new youth. There was incredible amount of political meddling to prop up Imran Khan, almost like they were the architect of his rise. He always had support, mm-hmm. but the ability to become prime minister was at the back of this military and institution support, which he enjoyed for 10 years, during which he filed cases against his political rival. The similar thing which he is dealing with right now at the moment. So a lot of his critics are saying that it's essentially a karma. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem in Pakistan remains military's meddling, not necessarily the individuals that are often talked about. Finally, Abed, as we've said on the show before, and people in Pakistan know, Pakistan has never had a leader serve their full term in office. And Imran Khan is the seventh former prime minister to be arrested. Not to mention, he's still facing a ban from politics, the one you mentioned. So do you think that these suspensions have changed the trajectory at all for Imran Khan or for Pakistan? Look, um, so Pakistan as a country is facing a tumultuous time. And what I'm saying, it does not capture the scope, the magnitude of problem that the country is facing right now. It is a 241 million people population of country, which is currently struggling to make ends meet. You know, it's a, it's a head-to-mouth situation going on economically. People are out on the streets protesting against um, increasing electricity tariffs. The balance of payment crisis is ballooning up. Inflation is hitting every strata of the society. The country is facing a lot of problems on its hand. As far as Imran Khan is concerned, the kind of narrative he has built for his support and popularity, and he is currently right now the most popular politician in the country, there's no doubt about that. It appears that Pakistan's perpetual kingmaker, the military establishment, Um, does not want him back in the electoral um, landscape, electoral competition. And it seems that they are right now, their focus is completely on ensuring, eliminating Imran from contesting election, 
rather than focusing or allowing the government to focus on fixing the economy. And where does that leave the reporters of Pakistan? <laughs> you, your job, this is, uh, this is a lot. This is a lot. As a journalist in Pakistan, especially in these days, as this uh, famous Chinese proverb goes, uh, may you live in interesting times. Mm. We are living in interesting times. Every single day brings with it, um, you know, set of news. Breaking news comes in, be it legal, be it political, be it national disaster. You know, we had one of those biblical uh, floods last year. Mm-hmm. This time round, we have a surge in militancy and violence, um, especially in northwestern and southwestern provinces. Uh, last week, there was an attack on a church, uh, churches in Pakistan's Punjab town, and 22, 21 churches were destroyed on charges of blasphemy. Um, you know, every day bring some sort of major news or breaking news for which you have to run. And it, it really stretches you as a reporter, as your profession. But I guess this is what you have when you sign up for as a correspondent in a place like Pakistan. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Sonia Bagat and Chloe K. Lee with Zaina Bazar, Faranisa Kampana, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, and me, Olika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.